Hey, my name is Jensen, one of the servant leaders here at Ethos. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. We hope you can lean in and enjoy this message. All right, so we've been in a series, um, and we're continuing on in the series, The Gift of Limits, right? And this is week six. And over the last several weeks, we've been really exploring and truly trying to understand, you know, finding the beauty within things that limit us, finding the beauty within the hard things and the gift that's truly within that. So as we dive in today, we're talking about the limit of fear and the gift of faith. I think it's safe to say that we have all experienced, I'm sorry, I keep messing with this because it's like rocking back and forth. So I'm going to pull this back a little bit. There we go. Okay, so I think it's safe to say that we have all experienced fear in some capacity, right? I think we all have dealt with it, we've had it, whether it's the fear of heights or the fear of spiders or the fear of enclosed spaces. I know, for example, for me, when I was younger, I was deathly afraid of two things. And you're laughing to hear this. I was deathly afraid of dogs and I was deathly afraid of like the water and swimming. And if I say those two things and you are thinking stereotypes, you need to ask the Lord for forgiveness. <laughs> All right, listen. But listen, I had like very real like situations that happen in events. Like literally I was chased by a dog one time and my brother like locked me out of the house because he was afraid too when we were running. And I literally got like scratches on my back and like my mom had to like kick the dog away. Traumatic, right? And then another time I was swimming and I thought like I could follow after like my sister and the big cousins. We in a pool and it was like a pool that had like a drop off to it and so like my little feet I was like seven years old are like pitter pattering and then like the pool dropped off and I'm like no longer like pitter patting on the bottom of the pool and my dad had to jump in save me clothes and all and like as I'm like heaved over his shoulder as he's like sludging out of the water like vomited in the water so then all the cousins had to get out of the pool to clean everyone was mad at me but it was traumatic it was a fear but it instilled, it instilled a fear in me like none other but I realized over the years, I started working through those fears. I started realizing that, wait a minute, I actually think there, there's beauty within these things that I'm actually afraid of. So now as an adult, like, I love dogs. Like, put me in a meadow filled with golden retrievers, and I'm happy. Like, put me on the beach, in a couple weeks I'm going to the beach, put me in front of the ocean, and I will, like, be in there like it's nobody's business. I love the water. Or how about this? How about, do you guys remember the show? We'll put this up here. Do you guys remember the show Fear Factor? Yes. Right? Where, where you know, you do these crazy stunts and these crazy things. You're eating crazy food, jumping off of buildings in a car that's like engulfed in flames. And in order to win, you had to do all these stunts, right? But if fear got the better of you or if you said, no, I'm good. No, I'm not doing that then you lost out and there was no reward, right? But if you made it to the end, if you faced those fears and you were like, I'm staring it in the face, I'm doing it, and you win, you win the money, and then the host, what did he say? He said, obviously, fear is not a factor for you. You know, so we talk about we've had these fears. I sometimes think when we say we've all been afraid of something or we have a fear, I think we oftentimes think of like lighthearted fears, right? Fears that you can laugh at, right? Andrea was afraid of dogs, haha. -ha. She was afraid of the water or someone doesn't like, they're afraid of a certain type of a food or maybe someone's afraid of heights. And there are fears that maybe have less pressure because it's a fear that not everyone experiences. It's a fear that might be specific to that individual. But what about, what about emotional fears? What about fears that cripple us, fears that can paralyze us, 
fears that can hold us hostage from ever doing the things that God has called us to do? What about fears like the fear of failure? What about the fear of hurting people? You know, what about maybe the fear of loneliness? Thinking like, I can't, I can never live life alone. I'm too afraid of what might happen. Or I can't leave that person because I'm afraid of being by myself. What about the fear of rejection? Have you ever thought about how we can let our fears affect our ability to live out fulfilling lives? Fear, here's the thing, right? Fear can hinder us from doing what we should be doing or what we are called to be doing of God. So I want to take the time that we have today and really look at fear through the lens of faith. And how does fear affect our ability to live out our faith? How does it affect our ability to say yes to God and to say yes to the call that he's put on our life? How often do we find ourselves, truly, if you really stop and think about it, how often do we find ourselves paralyzed by fear, unable to be obedient to what God is calling us to do or to act in line with what he wants us to do or to do? do the things that he's calling us to do because fear is keeping us in a spot where we don't want to move and it's paralyzing us and crippling us. There's a command in the Bible that said over and over again in different spots throughout the Bible, God says it. He says, do not be afraid. Four simple words. Do not be afraid. Like I said, it's spoken over and over again. God speaks it to us leaders speak it. Angels, angels said it to Mary when she's about to have a baby. Do not be afraid. Why are those words said in the Bible? It's because fear is a natural and a human emotion, and it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon to feel afraid when stepping into the unknown and when facing challenges. God is acknowledging a human emotion that's on the inside of us. But here's the thing, and it's up here on the screen. Faith is not the absence of fear. Rather, it's an awareness of God in the presence of fear. Let me say that again. Faith is not the absence of fear, rather an awareness of God in the presence of fear. In Isaiah 41.10, it says, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I think there's two truths. When we hear that word and we read those words, do not be afraid, I think there's two things that we need to learn from that and two things that we can get out of that when God is telling us, hey, don't be afraid. The first thing is that, like we said, people struggle with fear. It's not uncommon. You shouldn't feel a certain way or shouldn't feel bad or doubtful because you're having this emotion. It's okay. It's an intrinsic, it's a human emotion that we're all going to feel. But the second thing is that God wants us to fight fear. He literally said, I am with you. I will strengthen you and I will help you. He wants us to be victorious against this fear that we feel. The Bible tells us that fear does not come from God. Right? And we all know that. Instead, we are called to trust in his presence. We're called to trust in his provision. We're called to trust in his love. Why? Because it's his perfect love that drives out fear. 
It's fears overcome by placing our faith in the never-changing character of God, right? Because he's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same forever, right? In Psalm 56, verses 3 through 4, it says, But when I am afraid, this is David writing, he says, But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? This is David who's writing, and he in this moment, in this time frame when he's writing, he's on the run, he's hiding out in caves, he's being chased by the Philistines. He's showing us here that, hey, I'm afraid. And we're talking about David. This is the guy who killed a lion. This is a guy who killed a bear. This is a guy who killed a freaking giant. This is a guy who was an amazing commander of leading God's armies. But in this moment, he's admitting, I'm having a human emotion and I'm feeling afraid. But God is so steadfast. So what other option is there? And he realizes that. And David realizes in this, motion, in this moment, what other option is there other than putting my faith in God and going for it and pursuing and knowing that he's going to keep me safe as these people are coming after me. He's, David here shows us that faith in God will conquer fear. So why should I be afraid? I love that at the end he just says, so why should I be afraid? It's like, well, duh. And I just like love that because that's how I would say, I'm like, okay, well, why are you, why are you acting like that? That's so why I talk to my friends. I'm like, well, why are you being stupid? Like, so why, like, why should I be afraid? It's obvious. Like, it's just a, like a no-brainer type of a statement and type of a question, Right. And here's the thing about fears. We cannot sit and wait till it is all perfect. David didn't just sit within this cave and say, okay, God, well, until I have all the check marks, check boxes marked off and all the green lights, then I'll go out and do what I need to do. Because here's the reality. It's never going to be perfect. We're never always going to have all those boxes checked, but we can't let fear make us sit in a space of waiting for all the green lights and waiting for perfection. That doesn't exist. That's not going to happen. There's a story in the Bible, it's a story of Esther, and I love Esther for how dope she is, and she's just, she's awesome, right? But she is this, she's Jewish, and she ends up becoming queen of Persia, and she had no business becoming the queen, but the king chose her because of her beauty and who she was. Well, fast forward a little bit, she's made aware of this deadly plot to kill all of the Jews in her region, that all of her people are about to be killed. She's made aware of it by her cousin Mordecai. So he sends a messenger and he tells her what's going to happen. And he says, hey, Esther, you got to do something. This is what's happening. This is on you. Figure it out. Help us out. We got to do this. We got to make a change. And she immediately, in that first instance, homegirl did not want to do anything. Rather than saying like, okay, yep, let's do it. She told the messenger, go back and tell him, uh, no, thank you. Because she realized and she told her cousin, she said, listen, if I go before the king, I can die. Like, it's not just a a simple, let me go make some change and make this happen. She realized the, the largeness of this moment and the scale and the vastness of what this meant if she were to do something about it. So she didn't want to at first, right? But Mordecai, he pushed back on her again and he literally tells her in, uh, verses 14, in chapter 4, verses 14 and 16, he literally tells her, but you were chosen for such a time as this. He saw something in her that she did not yet see in herself, and so she becomes receptive to it. She brings her community around her. They pray with her. They fast with her. And then she realizes that I can't let fear take hold of me. And so she says, I'm going to do something. And literally she says in verse 16, if I must die, I will die. Like what? 
Who's just willing to be like, if I must, okay, well, if I'm, I might die, but I'm going to do this because I'm not going to let fear take a hold of me. I know that my faith can be greater than my fear, and I'm going to focus on my purpose of keeping my people safe. So how do we become like Esther and how do we become like David and stare death in the face, possible death in the face, and still stay faithful through it all? How do we do that? Because like we said before, fear has a way of paralyzing us and gripping our hearts and keeping us stuck in our comfort zones. But the reality of it is, is as believers, if you're a believer in this room today, as believers, we are called to live a life of faith that is powered by the Holy Spirit to keep moving forward, even in the face of fear, even in the face of the unknown. So how do we do it? How do we stay faithful despite fear? Well, the first thing is we cling to God's promises. That's how we stay faithful. We cling to God's promises. In Hebrews 10, 23, it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. God can be trusted to keep his promise. Clinging to God's promises means that we're going to firmly hold on to and trust and have full reliance in his promises that God made to us in his word, even the face of challenges, even in the face of doubts, that we know that God is faithful. We know that he is trustworthy and that we believe that he will fulfill all the things that he has said. Here's the thing. There's a, there's like various studies all throughout of people, you know, studying how many promises are written in the Bible and there's varying opinions. There's all different numbers, but the one thing is, is there's the one number is there's nothing less than 3000. Everything was like all over the place, but I can sit here and stand up here and safely say that the Bible lists over 3000 promises in the Bible. And I love King Solomon in 1 Kings. He literally said, not one word has failed of God's promises. There's over 3,000 promises in the Bible, and God was good on his word and fulfilled every single one of them. So when I'm clinging to God's promises, I'm anchoring my hope, and I'm anchoring my confidence in God's character and in his ability to fulfill his word and keep good on his word and keep good on his promises. But clinging to his promises, it requires patience, it requires perseverance, and it requires, requires a willingness to wait on his timing and not our own. And I know that's not easy, right? For the people who like to have control of things and a right now, this, I need it now in a right now society to wait on God's timing and not our own. But that's what it requires. It takes steps of faith. Taking steps of faith is how we can stay faithful despite fear. Taking steps of faith involves us surrendering our will what we think we know, what we want to know, and being okay with not knowing, surrendering all that to God. It means seeking his guidance and following fully what he wants for us. It requires humility. It requires a willingness to obey because the moment we step in faith, we are literally saying, God, I'm giving up all that I think that I know and I'm giving it to you. Everything that I thought I knew, everything that I want to know, I'm giving it all up and I'm just clinging to you. And I'm taking steps of faith. The Bible describes faith, right? In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says it's as the rea- faith is the reality of what we hope for, but it's the evidence of all the things that we cannot see. 
It's the evidence of things that we cannot see. So it's what we want to know, but the reality of it is it's everything that we can't see. That's faith. And I think about people in the Bible who just showed immense faith. I think about people like Abraham, right? He left his home and went to new lands, not knowing what was to come, but he ends up becoming the father of many nations, right? I think about Noah. Homeboy built a boat. God said, build a boat. And he said, God, it hasn't rained here in a really long time but I'm going to build this boat anyways. I don't know what's to come, but I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to do what you're telling me to do. Think about Moses, who he led the Israelites out of Egypt into an unknown space, not knowing what was going to come and not knowing what was going to happen to him or these people. These are all individuals who let go of their reality and they said, I am putting all of my faith in what I can't even see yet, but I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to take that step of faith. I'm going to build that boat. I'm going to leave my home. I'm going to lead these people. Ultimately, taking steps of faith is saying, God, you're in control and not me. I love what Martin Luther King says. He says, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. That's bold. I think about when I read that um, quote, I think about like a roller coaster, right? When you get up to the top, like any thrill seekers who sit on the front row of the roller coaster, you get to the very top of the hill, you can only see out right? You can't see what's underneath you. You can't see. And sometimes when the roller coaster kind of dips in and does like that inverted, like freaky, crazy stuff, right? Which I love it. But when it inverts in, like you can't see what's happening, but you have faith that people designed that track the way it was meant to be built. You have faith that that cart that you're in is going to stay on the track and it's going to go down. And it's going to do what it's meant to do. It's saying, I have faith in this without even seeing what's underneath me. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. And I get it. It's easier said than done, right? Because who truly, when our human nature takes hold of us, who truly wants to take a step out into something that they don't know if it's going to be there or not? But that's what having faith in God is. It's saying, God, I know you're faithful to your promises. I know that you're not going to let me fail. I know that you're going to keep me protected. And that's faith. The third thing of how we can stay faithful despite fear, we embrace growth. Growth is saying that I am willingly and actively by choice pursuing and seeking out ways to be more like Christ. This is my choice. This is what I'm doing. I want to pursue this. It's our personal development. It's our spiritual development in how we understand and how we take hold of God's word. It's how we have a deeper relationship with God. And it's how we transform ourselves to become more Christ-like. But here's the thing about embracing growth. It requires perseverance and endurance. Why? Because growing pains, right? We've all heard that term. We've experienced growing pains. When you were younger, going through your growth spurt, going through puberty, and you're like hitting that growth spurt hard, your joints are achy, your body hurts because everything is just growing at a rapid pace. You're experiencing growing pains, but it's because your body is doing what it's meant to be doing. It's not easier. It's not always comfortable, but there's a purpose in it. There's an end result in it. There's a fruit in it, and you're embracing that growth. In John 1, verses 3 through 4, it says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. 
For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. When your endurance has a chance to grow, it's not going to be comfortable, but you got to let it grow. You have to embrace the growth because you will become fully developed in Christ. You'll become fully developed to be able to take those steps of faith. But it requires growth. It requires perseverance. And then we can focus on our purpose. How we stay faithful, we focus on our purpose. What does that mean? That means seeking God's will. That means seeking his direction. It means giving up our own desires and allowing God to shape our path and shape what we're supposed to be doing and how we're following after him. It means living a life that uses your talents, that uses your skills, that uses your gifts and your resources to serve others and bring glory to God. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are God's handiwork, right? We're created. God has designed us with specific skill sets and gifts and talents and resources that are specific to you, that only you possess. And so he has specific works for us to do. He has a specific purpose and a calling for you to do that only you can do because you are his handiwork and he created and put certain gifts on the inside of you. So focusing on our purpose, it involves seeking a deep and intimate relationship with God and acknowledging his sovereignty over our lives and desiring to live out his plan for us. So we get to fulfill God's purpose and his glory for the benefit of others. Like ask yourself, why am I being called? How will my actions impact others? What is my purpose? A few years ago, before I moved, well, I moved here to Columbus. It'll be five years next month, which is absolutely crazy because sometimes I feel like it was like two months ago that I moved here, but I've been here for almost five years. And when Jordan and Courtney first told me they were launching a church, I was sad because I was like, that's stupid, but I know it's the call in your life. So, okay, go, go with the Lord, I guess. <laughs> but when I literally, like, I sobbed, you guys. I was like, I hate you both. Like, you're leaving me. Um, but when they announced it to the church that we were previously at, everyone started asking me, oh, Andrea, you're going, you're going. Oh, I knew. And I literally, my answer was no. I was like, nope, nope, no, 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 no. No, I'm good. Like, nah, I'm staying right here. I'm good. Don't push me out of my comfort zone. I have my rhythms. I have my people. I have my job. I'm good. I'm comfortable. But I was saying no because I was fearful of the how. And I was fearful of the unknown. I was fearful, like, how could I ever move to Columbus? I'm broke. I don't know. I wouldn't have a job down there. Like, I was so afraid of the unknown, not knowing. And I wanted to have control of my situation. So I was like, nope, I'm in my comfort zone. I was letting fear paralyze me and cripple me from other, from ever words, from ever thinking outside of what I knew in front of me. But fast forward a couple months, God was like, well, jokes on you, Andrea. And he started peeling back different layers. And he started closing certain doors that needed to be closed. He started disconnecting different relationships in my life that need to be disconnected. And I realized, oh, I'm 
I'm growing right now and this is painful and this is uncomfortable, but I said yes. And the minute I said yes, God started showing up in ways that are just absolutely ridiculous. Like I literally had people walking up to me and saying, here's the money for your U-Haul. Here's the money for your first month's rent. Like it was only God, but it was the minute I said yes and I understood that this is bigger than me and that there's a purpose and a calling on my life, that that's when he started showing up and he said, look how I can work in your life. And I clung to his promises in that moment, right? I clung to his promises. That's how. I took huge steps of faith. I embraced growth and I'm still growing. I'm still figuring out the growing pains. I'm still getting my feet underneath me. But I focused on the purpose and I focused on the bigger picture. And when I stand here in this moment, I understand now I didn't know five years ago, six years ago, that that bigger purpose and that bigger picture was here in this moment. Like I never would have imagined myself standing on a platform knowing all of you and speaking to all of you. But God said, I have a call for you. You just need to take a step of faith. Faith. And when I said yes, I understood that this is the bigger purpose. Being a part of a church in an amazing city where we're building relationally healthy community and we're building a kingdom for Christ. So what happens? What happens when we cling to God's promises? What happens when we take steps of faith? What happens when we embrace the growth? What happens when we do stay faithful despite our fears? We're telling the world that our God is greater than any fear, that our God is greater than any unknown that we may encounter, that he is a God of limitless possibilities who can turn our weaknesses and our doubts or what we think are weaknesses, and he can turn it into strength. So what happens when we stay faithful despite fear? Well, we, we develop a deepened trust in God. Our souls deeply desire and long for something greater than our own selves, right? We always want something more and something bigger. Trusting God is not always easy because we live in a world of self-reliance and we live in a world of, you know, instant gratification where we want it right now, where I, 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 and me, 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 and right, right now, and I want this now, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to have control over it, because I know that I can dictate the pace, and I can do this, and you want that instant gratification. But the thing is that true peace and fulfillment come from when we let go and surrender our trust to God. As we daily choose to remain faithful to God in the face of fear, we begin to watch firsthand his faithfulness time and time and time again. And as a result, our trust in God, our trust in God is strengthened and our trust in his character is strengthened and our trust in his promises is strengthened and our trust in his ability to order our steps and guide us, it's strengthened. I think about I think about trusting God the same way that a child trusts their parent, right? Like I don't have kids, but I have nieces and nephews and I get to live life with my friends who have kiddos and I'm sure that Every day, your kids wake up, for those of you who have children here, your kids wake up each day trusting that mom and dad are going to have food on the table, that there's clean clothes to put on, that I have a roof over my head, that we're going to go to school. I trust mom and dad daily. Every day I wake up and there's trust and you give them a reason to never doubt you or to, for them to doubt you. It's the same way for us, trusting God. It's a daily decision 
It's not a one-time decision, but the more we do it, the easier it gets. Just like a child trusting their parent, it's not even a thought in their head. They just know. They don't question it. They know that they're provided for. And it's the same way when we put our trust in God. It's a daily decision, but it gets easier and easier the more we do it. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Lean not on your own understanding. AKA, you don't know anything. You don't. We don't know anything. Lean not on your own understanding. We don't know anything, but rather we get to trust in God who does know it all, who is perfect, who doesn't waver. We get to put our trust in an all-knowing father. For me, I'm like, well, forget anything I know. I know nothing. But it brings me such peace and comfort that I get to put my trust in a God who knows all. What else happens when we when we stay faithful, we align ourselves with God's will. We become aligned with his will for our lives. We acknowledge his, sovereign, his, his sovereignty and surrender our own desires and fears to him. When we are aligned, we are positioning ourselves to experience God's blessing. We're, experience, we're positioning ourselves to experience his guidance. We're positioning ourselves to experience his favor on our lives. We're saying, God, I want to be in one with you. But it requires humility and surrender and a deep trust in his wisdom, right? It requires that deepened trust. It's saying that his ways are better and higher than our own ways and his thoughts are better and higher than our own thoughts, right? Because we just read in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. We're trusting in him. Being aligned brings a sense of fulfillment, When we live in line with his purpose for our lives, we find meaning and significance, far more than what the world can give. We become part of something so much greater, and there's joy in knowing that we are being used by God, and our impact reaches the lives of others. So when we're aligned with God's will, I think about it as like how we are the branch, and he is the vine, right? A branch is connected to the vine. It's connected to the source, and that's how it gets fed. That's its nourishment. That's how it gets life. That's how it's strengthened from the source. In John 15 verses five and seven, it says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to be aligned with God. I want to be connected to the source of life. I want to feel fulfilled. I want to feel nourished. I want to get life from being aligned with him. Personal growth. That's what happens when we stay faithful despite fear. We experience personal growth. Staying faithful to God, despite fear, it fosters personal growth and character development and character refinement. That growth challenges you. It makes us confront ourselves and makes us overcome fear. 
when we begin to grow and have personal growth. Personal growth, it's building resilience, perseverance. It builds reliance solely on God and his spiritual maturity and spiritual maturity in ourselves. In the process becoming more Christ-like, it's a reflection of his love, it's a reflection of his grace, it's a reflection of his courage, and we get to be that. We get to become more Christ-like. The thing is, God wants us to grow and mature both spiritually and personally, right? He wants that for us. He wants growth in our lives. But here's the thing about personal growth. Personal growth is not a destination. It is a continual process that draws us closer to God. Personal growth is not a destination. It is a continual process that draws us closer to God. As we engage in that continual process and that transformation, we rely on God's wisdom and his strength and his guidance. It's not a destination, but it's continual. It's every day deciding that I'm going to wake up this morning and I'm going to pick up my Bible. I'm going to wake up this morning and I'm going to worship God. I'm going to wake up this morning and I'm going to pursue a relationship with God. And I'm going to grow in my relationship with him so I can become more like him, so I can become more Christ-like. Romans 12, 2, it says, but let God transform you into a new person by the way you think. As we develop our personal growth, our thought process and our mind begins to shift and he will use our personal growth to mold us into vessels that can be used for his glory. And lastly, what happens when we stay faithful despite fear is we have an impact on others. And as the keys come up here to start playing, as we wrap up to make me sound super spiritual, we have an impact on others. As believers, we are called to be a light in the darkness. We're called to be a living testimony to the power of God. We are called to be a voice to tell of the goodness of God. Staying faithful despite fear. You can inspire others. You can influence others. And it's a testimony of God's transformative power and faithfulness on your life. Staying faithful leads you to have a positive impact on others and all of those around you. It's an opportunity that you get to touch the hearts of others and you get to inspire them and you get to have them, they get to have the opportunity now to start seeing what's different about that person. They become inspired and maybe they will start considering their own relationship with God. And they'll start considering, maybe I want to step out and I want to be obedient because I've seen how God has worked on their behalf. I've seen how God has worked in their life. And that's inspiring. That's a testimony. Matthew 5, 16, it says in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. In the same way, let your good deeds good deeds shine out for all to see. When I read that, I see, let your faithfulness to God shine out for all to see. Let your faithfulness in, the spi- in spite of fear shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise their heavenly Father. 
so that people will see there's something different. I want to know your testimony. I want to know how you overcome that. I want to know how you endured. I want to know how you clung to his promises. I want to know how you embraced growth. Let your faithfulness to God, despite fear, shine for all to see. As we wrap up, I've shared this before, I'm a visual learner. So I want to give us a recap to help us remember the how and the what, the how we become faithful and what happens when we stay faithful. It's almost like a cause and effect. It's like a, if this, then that, right? So if we cling to God's promises, then we develop a deepened trust in God. If we take steps of faith, we become aligned with God's will. If we embrace growth, then we will experience personal growth. If we focus on the purpose, we will have an impact on others. It's a cause and effect. It's the how and the what. How do we stay faithful? And then what happens when we become faithful and when we are faithful?